way, and way, and baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell, and after a week where everything felt the darkest, we're reminded how winning a football match can bring back some light. Uh, on this week's show, we're going to quickly recap Toronto FC's 2-1 home win against DC United. Talk to Paul Tenorio of The Athletic to discuss that article. And look, if you haven't either seen it or read it or seen some excerpt about it, you're going to learn about it today because um, it was the one that almost bought the the doom of Valyria to uh, to TFC. <laughs> and uh, we'll get your reactions to this week's burning question presented by Nextdoor. But uh, a lot to dig into to this show. So let's get right into it with my co-hosts, Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker. Gentlemen, how are you doing? How was your week in the sun? The sun shone brighter. The, the heat was a little bit hotter. You know, you get a you get three points at BMO and everything feels a lot better, right? Mike, I brought out, I don't know if you can tell, I, I don't think the camera does it justice, but I brought mm. out my closest aquamarine shirt that I had <laughs> Ow, to pay tribute to our guy, ouch. Mike Newell, who got caught on camera. I mean, what a moment. That's your, your moment of fame, Mike Newell. Oh, man. Look, I've been caught on camera a lot of different times doing a lot of different things. Um, but that is honestly that is probably the most innocuous time I've ever been caught on camera. Me just dapping up a, a buddy of mine. Oh my I'm god, like, it is it's iconic, man. It's it's iconic, and I love so everything look, about it. Look, so and I'm just clipping to, it for you, and and it's your profile picture, and you don't get a choice. You don't have look, a choice. Like, I'll, I'll give some context. Mm-hmm. People, give, I was really surprised people really cared that much um, about my fashion choices. Uh, I'm at a match day. But honestly, it was a beautiful summer day and I was going out for a patio day before TFC and I just didn't feel like sitting in a jersey for like that I, I saw the I saw the man uh briefly b- before the end of the first half was it and then yeah. uh, a little bit of halftime and let me tell you it was even more spectacular in reality. <laughs> this is you 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 got the color sort of right Mikey saying but you didn't nail the fabric in the slightest. We're talking summer linen we're talking summer living. We're talking breezy and 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 calm and beautiful. And I need to know where he got one because I think the three of us we need to start rocking that. that Is that your of, top drawer kind, kind of, of stuff, eh, Mike? Uh, so no. Um, but, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no, because I got fits. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just like no for I just like it was one of those days where I'm like, look, I'm gonna be comfortable. I don't know how this game is gonna go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come and be open and breezy and and whatever happens happens right I'm not gonna come in here all mad like I have been the last couple of weeks you know with a dour attitude I'm like look I'm just gonna come in and have a good and you know what I also said I think I said it to you Jeff too yeah. uh, at one point I'm like this team's backs are against the wall and watch what happens they're gonna end yep. up coming out here and having their best performance the same and then everybody's gonna mm-hmm. end up having to like oh yeah well now Eat humble pie, back, yeah. blah 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 yeah. and this mm-hmm. whole cycle starts again and sure yep. enough what happened now i did say it was gonna be like three or four nil ended up being two one but that's the vibe i had i was like like let's be let's i mean it's it's doom and gloom all week let's be positive man and uh yeah. I just had my clothes reflect that that's all did your did your phone blow up as you were on camera 
Yeah. So that was the weird thing too, because I went out afterwards and I kind of ignored my phone. I actually didn't really look at yeah, it. I, like, I gained, that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not, yes. yeah I know. Sorry. <laughs> <Mikey> <laughs> you, got, you have to understand. Corner, village, tumbleweeds blowing by. Yeah, no, you have to understand. Like, when I go to games, beer, I don't yeah. really look at my phone that mm. much. Right. Like literally Tara is the only person I'm pretty much going to answer my phone for during a game. And usually that's like emergency. So, um, so no, I don't really look at my phone that much. So when I was on my way home, that's when I actually kind of pulled out my phone and was like, okay, I'll take a look. And then somebody kaboom. posted it. Yeah. And then kaboom, everybody was really, really interested in my shirt. Um, so I got it at Marshall's. Um, oh, it was on oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It was on a yeah. deal. Which one? Uh, the one here at, in Hamilton, Hamilton Center. Oh, um, man. Jesus. Got it. I got it uh, for my trip to, to Cuba this year. Um, it's mm-hmm. it looked like a it looked like a vacation shirt. It's it a Cuba shirt. Vacation vacation shirt. shirt. It it's, felt great. It's a Cuba it's shirt. shirt. It's it, if Mojito was a shirt, it would be that. Shirt. <laughs> you know, if if, Mo, uh, if Mojito and Banana Republic had a shirt, baby, it's that shirt. So yeah, well, I'm glad everybody yeah. enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot easier to talk about a shirt like that after a two-one win. Can we talk more about the the cutaway? Because the look on your face. 10 out of 10 no notes the little the little dab after the goal take a video breakdown full analysis of, of my post game your handshake screen yeah. screen caps screen caps fantastic i'm telling you this is this did is you like the deal. technique jeff i thought he could have been a little bit firmer I mean, yeah, but this is this is improv. He's in, he's he's vamping out there, like you know. If it had been us, it would it would have had my eye. The camera cutaway mm. does not do it justice because it got full dap. They only got me like halfway between the uh, hole, and I was getting we, to the we hole. We felt it, but we it, felt it. That's the thing. We it. felt it. Like, yeah, it I'm happy perfect. my boy Tom yeah. got uh, some time on the camera too because he's been a long time mm-hmm. game member, a Shout long time Tom. front row guy. Shout, Shout out, out Tom. Tom. Shout out Tom Superman. Shout out Tom. Out of Miss Saga. Um, yep. good guy known since high school. Um, and it was good to see. And my look was the whole, like, yep, they gone and done it. You know, when Sydney goes out, mm-hmm. has yeah. a great performance, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that will, that will do. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, the finger that was heard around the world. So if my cutaway was that important, the finger mm-hmm. heard around the world was also the next big thing. It's, so it's, we'll get it's a statue now. some, somewhere, somehow in some universe, Especially if you know the it context. is a statue in front if of, you know, the context yeah. behind it. Even yeah, better. it's even better. It's even better. I, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny that I was about to talk about feelings because going back to macro, I felt all the feelings at that game, boys, like every single one. Anger, resentment, I know, we saw your denial. Jeez, <laughs> man. All of the fe- all of the feelings. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I, to me, it's one of the most special nights at, at BMO that I've experienced. It will. It's definitely in my top five. Because wow. you know, Whoa. well, yeah, Top holy five, man, elaborate. Because it was just, it was, it was, it was, um, it was so anxious, and like you had, I had no idea how it was going to go. I had no idea, you know, on a personal level, I had no idea how many people were going to yell obscenities at me, you know, walking to and from my seat. The fan base is completely, uh, you know, it was at a powder keg, uh, and and yes. you know, and so many different things could have happened. So many different things did happen. Um, it was just a smorgasbord of feet. I don't know how better to say it. I felt all my feelings in the in the best way possible. And and you know, I'd like to I'd like to 
put on the rose colored glasses and say, I, I, you know, I'm wearing a linen shirt cause I knew they were going to do it, but you know, it could have just as easily gone to script. I mean that the last time the ref, uh, refereed us was when DC United sent Chris Armas packing, you know, like, it, like there, there, there were signs that it could have gone either way. And so it was just unbelievably, uh, uh, satisfying. I didn't uh, day at the, at the I thought they would win. I wore that shirt because I just wanted to be breezy and feel fly for a day. For a day. Okay. Right? Okay. Listen, well, listen that, I'm about, writing. About, like, listen, shush. I'm writing your mythology, dude. Just <laughs> I, shush. I guess we'll edit that. All right. I guess Damn. for context, for people who missed mm. it, I guess probably should have started with this. <laughs> I guess so. Mike Mike Newell after Insigne's <laughs> assist. I guess Kosi Thompson's second goal of the game. Mm. Quick little cameo on camera on the big screen on Apple TV across all of your i guess streaming devices i don't want, yeah. want to say television screens but it's all your screens. Television screens no no all your all your six inch phone screens yeah, yeah exactly and damien giving me some love in the chat yeah same like you know you were, style uh, i like you guy i like you buddy yeah. i like you yeah. you're fly uh, af yeah no it mm-hmm. was uh it was a good night uh mike i would love to get like your from the from the press box like just generally how you found things right because i think if Jeff and I were feeling a little bit of that sort of tension and anxious, I wonder if you could sense that from the crowd, from where, from your vantage point. Oh, definitely. I guess the first thing I'll say is like heading into BMO field that day, there was a little bit of a buzz, but it wasn't the the most positive type of buzz, no, buzz of course. No, and it was, it was mm. one of those nights where the result felt like it was secondary Right, it felt like that wasn't the main storyline. What happened in the actual ninety minutes? What happened in the game? It was what was going to transpire um, mm-hmm. essentially afterwards, because obviously it was the first time that we would have been able to talk to anybody in Toronto FC about the giant bombshell of an article that the Athletic mm. Paul Tenario, who will join us in a little bit, uh, Josh Cloak and, and Tom Bogart dropped. So. Yeah, you could feel that that was the the main talking point between anybody uh, heading into the press box. And then, you know, I was pleasantly surprised about the attendance on Saturday Mm. because I think the maybe it just shows us just how small Twitter is. But it it felt Mm. like people every time you open Twitter, people were saying, oh, I'm selling my tickets. I can't sell my tickets. I'm trying to get rid of them. I'm canceling my season ticket packages. All of that, right? Screen capping the yeah. emails too. Screen capping mm-hmm. the emails. Yeah, All of that. Yeah. And yet TFC BMO was, might have been the most packed I've seen it, um, quite frankly. Not only the most packed, I, I will also say that it was the most engaged crowd we might have seen for a very long time obviously yeah and only and only one out of five people had pitchforks that were allowed in so yeah exactly (sighs) well obviously the before the game started when they announced the lineup and i'm waiting for it because the previous coming the previous saturday Mm. you heard scatters of it and then having to go through a week like that you knew that it was coming so obviously in the press box i got my phone ready waiting for them to announce Bob Bradley's name. And then, bam, mm-hmm. BMO field crowd jumps all over him and takes their opportunity to boo, which, like I said, engaged um, right off the bat. But then, yeah. you know, as, as we're going to get into, then the team decided to really like rally behind 
I guess th- their reaction to everything, mm-hmm. not really rally behind, but I can't say that definitively, but they're just, you know, rally and put in the performance that they did despite all of the conditions. That part to me the was noise. Yeah. Got the crowd even more engaged and the roar, the, the final whistle, that was, that was probably the loudest roar of the season at BMO field. Um, I mean, they've only won two of their games, but still, I, I think that was the loudest roar probably at BMO field after the full-time whistle. Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting because I think, you know, obviously being in the stands, like, like a lot of the supporter groups, like, listen, like they aren't happy, right? In different ways, mm-hmm. right? Like obviously yeah. some are different angry in, in different ways, but generally speaking, the consensus is the same, that there is sort of a a, a feeling behind, um, behind sort of, yeah, no, Terz is quite right. Um, but you know, in terms of the, the, the sentiment towards Bob Bradley. So when, when his name was about to come up after they, they announced Lorenzo Insigne, I'm like, okay, get ready. And yeah. to a person in South End, it was booze. And I, I can't remember. Uh, no, no, sir. No, sir. No. Okay. I, maybe I not you, but like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily boo. I didn't necessarily disagree with it. Um, but I don't remember a time in the history of this long history of this club now right 15 16 years remember eight nine of these were literally worst team in the world years where the boos were that pronounced in terms of a manager right like and, and we had some bad managers right this club has some bad bad mm-hmm. managers yeah but they um, also turned over their managers super quickly well, so that's they didn't really true. get the chance yeah. to boo yeah, them. Yeah. get a chance <laughs> to get to know them yeah like the only time yeah, i yeah. could really remember where maybe it got like that was under paul mariner um you know to a certain extent maybe mm-hmm. even aaron vinter but even vinter i think people kind of knew he was up on a stacked deck uh in terms of how things were operating at the club but that was the mm-hmm. first time it, that i could really remember in bmo field where the crowd was quite united against the manager. Um, and, and that was not startling. I think it was just more like, a, oh, okay. Like we, people are, like you said, really engaged and really sort mm-hmm. of that, that, that energy was in, in the building. But I think in the same way you, you mentioned it, I think that energy kind of turned a bit where in people had their chance to boo, they booed and mm-hmm. then they got behind the team. If that makes sense. Well, yep. Yep. It, no, that's, that's, I was going to say the same thing and I'm glad you mentioned it because it's important. It, it's funny. Like apathy, I shout out Tej, Tej Sahoda through this word round. He was the first and I heard through it in terms of mm. Toronto FC. Apathy is something you don't want when you're running a franchise and organization. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Having pissed off fans obviously not ideal and you don't want that, but I think it's better than fans who don't care whatsoever. So having pissed off crowd on a great Mm -hmm. summer day is probably better than no crowd. So the fact that, yeah, TFC, like I said, it was really important for them to start really well and just turn that energy from booze into, you know, getting behind the team, which I think we saw as the match progressed. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just talk about it uh, before Paul comes on, but um, look, it's a nice response from the team, right? Like I think, you know, we can. A lot of people are, are sort of tweeting that DC were poor, and they were, um, to, they were to a certain extent. But you still have to beat them, right? And TFC have yep. exactly, you know, been in those positions where a team may not be on their game, and instead of winning, they draw, right? And mm-hmm. and in this one, you felt TFC for the most part were in control of the game, aside from a little period after halftime, 
Um, and obviously after the Benteke goal, but generally speaking, you know, one, this was probably the, I don't even think probably, I think it's pretty safe to say this was the best performance we've ever seen out of Lorenzo Insigne in a Toronto FC shirt. 100% saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And you think Jeff, you had mentioned it the week before, uh, or maybe mm-hmm. uh, the game before, um, about sort of his lack, a moment of lack of commitment. Um, mm-hmm. And not being happy with that, you you mentioned that in one of your WTR uh, articles. Yeah, yeah. It felt like he he had to come back and sort of say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I'm still Lorenzo Insigne. Like I I still really want to be here, and I still really want to show that I'm a, a world class footballer. It felt like that kind of energy was coming from him. Did you 100, sort of feel that from him? One hundred percent. But I mean, I think that's only like twenty five percent of the reason, you know. And and the other seventy five percent is a lot of speculation. And a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, a secret, secret DP Zazzle. You know, our, our two Italians are, are pretty warm blooded. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You saw you saw the commitment and, and you saw the the willingness to I mean, he didn't score any goals. We're talking about a performance of two assists that that sort of says it right there. One was know, a corner kick. Saw, too. Yeah. yeah. And one was a, one was a corner kick. One was an identical corner kick, like seconds after the first corner kick that uh, Matt Hedges failed to do. And then DeAndre stepped up and, and, and found that spot. Um, so, yeah, that tells you everything there. His performance on the field between the lines, you know, you know, inside those those stats that are so uh, absolute and binary was was unbelievable. I mean, you saw this cat can cook. He's a baller. It's it's indisputable. Yeah, it was more than just the the jaw-dropping skill right it was Mm. this was something that he could actually control game to game if that makes sense yeah it was his will it was his desire it was his work ethic it was managing his frustration it was all of those things that that really led to what was again his best performance in a Toronto FC shirt? Like the skill is not going to go away with Lorenzo and Sydney from and it's tremendous. It's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Will he make bad decisions from game to game? Yeah, of course, right? Everybody does. It doesn't matter how good you are. Will he make the wrong mm-hmm. decision at times? Sure. Yeah, Lorenzo and say probably doesn't make the wrong decision as much as you know someone else, but he still will be prone to that. The one thing he can control is just how much he cares and how much effort he's willing to put in. Like there were so many plays where, and one in particular late in the game in the second half where he decided to take it upon himself to push TFC up the field. Yep. And he got yeah, I know fouled which one maybe once or twice, got tackled a couple of times, fell down, and still tried to stay with the play and keep up with the ball. Earlier in the season, and even I would say like a week or two ago, Lorenzo yep. Insigne would get hit with one of those fouls and then he'd stop and he would complain and he would throw his hands up but not not at BMO Field on Saturday night and you could tell every moment that he got he took his opportunity to to rally up the crowd too like he knew mm-hmm. this what was at stake oh, yeah. and what was at stake that was that yeah. was Lorenzo Insigne, Toronto FC, once, week in, week out. And it's not because of the dazzling skill, like I said. It was because of the mentality. And I think that hopefully can be a sign of things to come. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it also rubbed off on a lot of the players around him, right? I, I think they were able to raise their game. That's what good players do. Great players are able to raise the, the level of the players around them. That's what I said last week, 100%. Them. 
Exactly. Yeah. And you and, saw and, it. You saw it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we'll talk about sort of quickly both goals here. Um, first of all, good for DeAndre Kerr to get a start. Um, given all of the the words when we're going to get into it around Federico Bernadeschi and, and sort of what mm-hmm. has been going on behind the scenes at TFC, a young academy player who did go off to college and came back um, gets a start in his position. And it would have been easy for people to get on him because he was starting in Federico's spot um, and, and sort of playing. But I, I thought, and I still continue to think, that DeAndre Kerr, given minutes and giving him time to develop, will turn into a really good MLS player, right? And I think we see he has all the intangibles, especially on his goal, like the leap to get to that header and the solid connection to put that in. That's impressive, right? We haven't seen a striker, even with CJ Sapong, who we waxed lyrical about on his first game, hasn't really shown that, right? And I think that's something where DeAndre can sort of, again, continue to put his hat on and say, hey, look, I can score goals and I can be dangerous and be an asset on the field. Uh, it's a question of can he do, can he do it consistently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only can he do it consistently, like Bob Bradley's talked about it, can he stay healthy consistently? Mm-hmm. Can yeah. he stay on the pitch? Can he, you know, find a way to attend every training session and build on that, you know, play minute, meaningful minutes and matches and build on his his previous performances, it's been too much of a stop and start career so far for DeAndre Kerr. But like I mentioned, it's, he's still really young. And a lot of people forget, like he, when people see his his profile, they'll say, okay, he left college, came out of college and signed with TFC. He didn't just come out of college. He, he came out of college his freshman year. So mm-hmm. he is still like a really young player. Like I consider him like essentially a homegrown academy, academy signing, yeah. essentially. Wow. Um, but he had obviously some really good years at uh, or a really good year at Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. So mm. um, yeah, the future is obviously really bright with, for DeAndre Kerr. And again, the challenge for him is like you said, Mike, is just to do this game in game out. Now, will he get that opportunity? I- I'm not sure, but at the very least he, he looks like he'd be a viable piece off the bench. Um, the issue though, like, like we're talking about here is, both the TFC's wings right now, at least, are occupied, right? Yep. You mentioned right wing is his best position. Well, there's a pretty good right winger on TFC's roster that's going to be playing the majority of the minutes on the right wing. So he's got to find a way to to make an impact somewhere else on the pitch. We've seen him play as an eight at times. I mean, TFC need eights <laughs> really mm-hmm. badly right mm-hmm. now. And we've also seen him play as a striker, too. So... Yeah, it's, that's the challenge for him is not only staying healthy, but also maybe adapting to to positions that's not his best position. Yeah, he's a, he's there. There's something we uh, there's a term we use in, in film called the expository character, right? Like the person that goes, hey, how does the time machine work? And then Dr. Brown gets to explain it to them and also explain it to us. And I find DeAndre, you know, watching his development is like expository character for me in understanding soccer like it was so much fun to watch him be out of position when hedges missed that that corner and then like a second later be the guy that just goes and attacks it and gets perfect contact on it you know where i i feel sort of lucky to be able to witness this and and see how he's worked into the team and and, and all of the permutations of that and i and i and i hope he uh you know i hope he lives up to the potential that that we've seen so far yeah, I think he can, right? I, again, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Mike, it will come down to can he stay fit, right? Because the, the skill's there. I, I remember last season, 
um, I believe against uh, DC, not the, yeah, I, I believe it was DC um, where he got a start and he was electric. Now he didn't score, but you know, he'd pick up the ball and he would just blow by guys. Right. And His I'm not talking about really exactly. And I'm not just yeah. talking about just pure pace. Right. But like with the ball skills to beat guys. So that is in his locker. Of course, the question is one, will he get playing time? Can he stay fit? Mm-hmm. Those are, those are the, the questions, but you know, between him and, and obviously Kosi Thompson, who's another player that um, obviously had a great game came in for injured Brendan Cervania, which is something we'll have to watch because um, Brendan yeah. did come out, yeah. looked like a hamstring, but I'm not sure. Uh, did it? I think it was lower. It was, I think it was lower leg. Yeah. Lower leg. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. that alarmed. Like, I mean, obviously limping off is never good, but it looked, like half cramp, half nagging injury. Yeah, maybe so, a calf or something yeah. like that. But yeah, um, yeah. but uh, you know, Cozy comes in and does a does a solid job. And I think you know, Cozy's gotten a lot of stick from the fan base, um, especially because of last year. And you know, look, he again, we said it all last year. I don't think I need to repeat it too much. But playing out of position for the most of the, the season, playing right back, um, and asking him to learn a new role. But I thought he did yeah. okay. And now he's getting to step back more in his natural midfield position. And I think he's starting to look a bit more comfortable there as he's, you know, slowly getting more minutes, slowly coming in as a substitute and, and, and sort of gaining Bob Bradley's trust and obviously rewards uh, that trust with a goal um, and a really mm-hmm. well-taken goal from a great Insigne uh, cutback. It, it's funny. Like he had a absolute golazo for his first yeah. career MLS goal. Yeah. Remember yeah. The volley? Oh yeah. Um, but he's not the type of player that's going to be flashy whatsoever. Um, Cozy Thompson, you typically get a same type of performance. I want to say week in week out, like, you know what you're getting at a Cozy Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, this game in particular, you obviously got a little bit more. Uh, I want to say like his teammates around him were better too, but you got a little bit more out of him potentially. And obviously the finish, you know, great setup by Lorenzo, but the ability to finish yeah. that and, and the celebration to see what it meant um, by all that. But yeah, he was, again, like just really solid in the midfield. Obviously, you know, you'd like for at times his touch to be cleaner and a little bit more like a central midfielder. But I mean, Kosi's a battler. He's he's a grinder. And man, he he put in, again, a really good shift for this team, like a lot of their players did, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's... Um... I think that's going to be key again as you continue to build depth on this squad. And, and it's going to be important just simply because, you know, when you think about this team, and we've talked about in the last couple of weeks where budgets are tight in terms of mm-hmm. being able to bring players in, and you're not exactly going to be able to just add a bunch of players that you want uh, to, to fill that depth you're going to have to find some of that depth. And some of that depth is going to have to sort of step up to the fore and take that role. And I think Kosi's in a, again, one of those unique positions where he could do that, right? And he kind of did it last year um, coming mm-hmm. out of training camp. I don't think anybody expected him to sign with the first team. Partly that yeah. was down to the roster situation. And Yeah, even after he said, I didn't think he'd get minutes. No, exactly. Nobody thought he'd get minutes. And all of a sudden, he literally was thrust into a starting role right away. Um, yeah. So in a lot of ways, that's good. In a lot of ways, that can also sort of, I don't say set you back, but it can, you know, you can kind of be like, whoa, oh my God, I need to settle down and sort of figure out what am what am I as a footballer at the professional yeah. level? 
Yeah, you're right. How can I contribute to the team? And I think he's he's finding that as that sort of grit midfielder that can that will get stuck in win tackles, but also has enough flair to get forward um, and, mm-hmm. and you know make things Mop happen up. again. Yeah, not necessarily smart. Happen. Yeah, exactly. He's, smart. he's a he very reads smart the game player. well. It doesn't matter really what position he's playing in. He's he's a footballer and like. Yeah, he understands yeah. where the gaps are, when to make the right pass, where to make 100%. the pass. Like the simple part of the game, he's pretty good at. And he always pops up out of nowhere, which which shows his skill. You know, like you're not necessarily watching him, and then there he is, Fox in the box, finishing off chances. You know, finishing off insane Lorenzo Insigne layups. Right, like that's the kind of guy I want. That's the kind of guy I want on my side. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. Yeah, Swiss Army knife. Uh, one of my favorite term for for players that, uh, 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 you know, uh, my my favorite TFC midfield uh, midfield servants. Yeah. Yeah, and, and last thing before we <coughs> before we sort of move on, because uh, I think uh, Paul's going to be joining us in a second. But mm-hmm. um, we also wanted to talk a little bit again about about the our our wrong pipe boy. Sorry. Yeah. No. All good. Um, just. Th- the defending uh, for this team, as we mentioned last week, Mike, on the second half of the show, was a positive, right? One of the three positives that we both, I think, agreed on was the fact that through all this turmoil and all this sort of trying to figure out what TFC is, there is a strong defending core to the team that is getting better game by game. And one of the people I want to just point out, and we talked about Matt Hedges a lot, but I thought Emi Mabika has really come out and been Again, another surprise that has really sort of stepped up and, and done some some really great things. And I think that's I think that's a key uh to yeah. start. What are you laughing about, Nestor? Aaron Ginsburg, man. He listen, he pops up quickly because he isn't burdened by S- excess short. That's that's legit funny. Yeah, okay, Sorry. before we talk about Emmy yeah. Mabika, just really quickly. Um Cozy man, the 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 style choices with the shorts. Like I rolled up my shorts after he scored that goal, and like I thought I was gonna lose <laughs> blood circulation to my legs. Like I was gonna. Cozy knows, man. Cozy knows. He's got Cozy knows. He needs to show him off. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, oh sorry, Emi Abika. Let's get back to let's let's not talk about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. if if you yeah, want to yeah. talk about value, and you know TFC as I've written about and as we've talked about in this show, TFC have not done a good job at finding value people who are worth more than their salary cap hits, people who they've dished out allocation money for who are worth more than that. They haven't done a good enough job of doing that recently. M.A. Mabika may be one of those players that they did do a really good job at. Obviously, Man still of the really match for young. me, man. Oh, my God, loved him. But That's, anyway. uh, Lorenzo is pretty good, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm hipster. But yeah, yeah, still my, really my young, hipster though. Hipster pick clearly had some really good minutes at Miami last season, emerged as a starter for that team, played in the playoffs for that team, followed on a favor a little bit with Phil Neville this season. TFC identify that and bring him in for up to 200,000 in general allocation money next season. I think that is a really, really good piece of business, especially when you see the contract they signed him for about 90 K. I mean, that's, that's nothing in major league soccer, right? So taking the risk on a guy who's six foot six, who's good with the ball, who's smart with the ball, is a battler. We saw him battle with Christian Benteke. He put he put the body on Benteke more than a couple of times during that match mm-hmm. and showed that he was up for it. I mean, yeah, he keeps turning out to be a piece, I think, you know, 
TFC fans are going to like, and obviously a great person off the field too. Like he is one of the best interviewers, interviewees, I guess I'm the interviewer, interviewees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we've seen from TFC in a really long time. A really likable kid. I also got to shout out though, as you mentioned, Mike, Matt Hedges, playing beside a guy like Matt Hedges, it makes it so much easier for Mabika. I mean, you look at, I'm going to relay this to hockey, even though our Leafs are out of it, but you look at a guy like TJ Brody in hockey, you play anybody beside this guy and he makes them better. I think Matt Hedges has that sort of effect, but yeah. Um, enough about Mabika. Yeah, we're guy. talking hockey. We've got Paul Tenoria waiting in the waiting in the green room <laughs> and, and you're like talking you're you're giving us your leaf takes i could go on for days about mavika come on yeah uh, please don't let's bring him in yeah yes yeah. let's bring in paul tenorio of the athletic um really excited to have him on the show um and uh, there he is uh paul tenorio of the athletic thank you paul for joining us today um obviously we really want to talk about uh the article that you co-authored with josh cloak uh, and Tom Bogert, um, but welcome oh, to Toronto until I die. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, look, Paul, I, I think it's um, it's safe to say that TFC's been a bit of a mess um, this season, and you know the article dropped on mm-hmm. Friday, and it got a lot of reaction here in Toronto um, in terms of either validating what a lot of fans have been feeling and thinking about the club not just this season, but I think over the past few seasons, as this club has taken a bit of a nosedive from almost winning the Shield uh, in the 2020 pandemic season. But if we could just start off, like how did the article come together and why sort of look at this team in the way that you did now? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, the, the question of why is a good one, because this has been something that's been building a little bit, I think, for anyone who covers MLS. You know, you kind of look around the league at where are the good stories, where are the places we should be focusing our attention. And the question kept coming up over and over and over again in our staff calls, like, what is going on in Toronto? What has gone so wrong there and, you know, I, I think back even to allocation disorder with Sam Stasekul before he left and how often we would bring up the ambition that Toronto has shown and, you know, the, the swing that they took with Insigne, the amount of money that they spent on him. And, you know, that feeling of like this is either going to work or it's going to fail spectacularly. And it's it's mm-hmm. felt certainly like it's headed toward the latter. And so, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point, um, as we kind of thought about what do we want to, what stories do we want to tell? We felt like the tension was building in Toronto and then Bernadeschi's comments happened. And when he spoke up publicly, he kind of confirmed some of the things that we've been hearing for a while. Um, most importantly, the fact that the, that there was this tension between the Italian DPs, first of all, and then that there was a tension between the Italian DPs and Bob Bradley. And once it spilled into public view, we felt like, we couldn't hold it anymore. And, you know, not that we were holding it intentionally, but it was like, okay, we know there's something going on here and it's time to really dig in and tell that story because they kind of, Bernadeschi kind of opened the door and invited us in. Yeah. 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 Paul, you, you do a really good job of, of telling that story. And quite, Thanks. quite frankly, like you as in your career, like you're one of the best at telling stories and telling the stories behind the scenes that, you know, a lot of people don't get to hear. Now, Toronto, as we as we know, as you mentioned, they're an ambitious club. And this story in particular, it made for a really good story. 
But uh, I think we all know that stories happen behind the scenes at every single club, every single cross, every single sport. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion. How bad is it behind the scenes in Toronto in comparison to maybe some of the other stories and some of the other teams around the league? How bad is it? Because obviously reading that, it seems like it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not normal. You know, it's not normal. I mean, anytime you have a call <laughs> amongst players discussing gathering support to try to get a coach ousted, that's when we cross over into the, this is beyond the normal depths of a team. Now, you know, having said that, you know, a couple of years ago, Felipe Cardenas and I wrote a story about Atlanta United. And, you know, the opening scene of that was the locker room erupting in cheers when Ajax got scored on in the Champions League because their coach, <laughs> Frank DeBoer, was an Ajax, mm-hmm. former Ajax player. And and so, like, that, you know, that anecdote, like, I held on to that anecdote for, like, nine months waiting for the right time to tell that story. But I think it was, like, an, it was indicative of big problems in the locker room, right? When you have a team outright celebrating against a coach because you know it's going to hurt that coach. And I think, yeah. like, we, you know, so th- it's not like what's happening in Toronto doesn't happen elsewhere, right? Like, but when it does get to that point, typically that's, you know, we write about it or you, you start to hear about it more and more and more. And I think, you know, one of the things we heard as we spoke to people around Toronto FC within Toronto FC, you know, you, you, what you get is like this, this sort of like, Hey, like this is messed up. Like I think the quote that ended our, our first section of the story was pretty, you know, summed it up pretty Damn well. Which is like, <laughs> yeah. This, this is F yeah. right. It was, it was kind of like, mm-hmm. get me out of here. This is F, you know? And you know, I think that speaks to the fact that people who have been in the league for a long time have been different teams or or even in, in other leagues um, that this had reached a fever pitch where the tension was so bad, um, the the kind of drama between certain individuals and not just like, you know, low level individuals at the club, like big, big, big personalities at the club. It, it got it got really bad. And, and, I, and to Sorry to add one more anecdote. Like I, I've covered, you know, for a couple of years, I was around. I live in Chicago, so I've been around the Chicago Fire more often than not. Oh, yeah. I, re- I remember. I mean, it's a mess there, and like I think back to 2017, like they were like the, one of the best teams in the league, and then towards the end of the year, they were tanking, and it was like, what's going on? Well, like there was like infighting, there was there was you know ego clashes and whatever. It it was like one-tenth of what is happening right now in Toronto. So like, yes, there are things that happen in every single locker room and teams have to find ways to navigate those things. Um, but, you know, in this case, I think it's, it's, it's certainly had, at least it had some very spectacular elements to it. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting that you mentioned the Chicago fire because shout out to Bob Bradley took him to MLS cup, their expansion season. And I, you know, I felt it was important to mention that. Um, I'm going to I'm going to press you for some some context here. Um, when you did this article, were all of your uh, calls recent, such as the former player who uh, who made those damning comments at the end of uh, chapter one, as it were? Yeah, all, all of the all of the calls were were this week. Um, it was a really long week. I haven't had a story <laughs> that that like kind of like drained me physically and emotionally as much as this one. I mean, there were some. <laughs> So wow honestly, there were some nights where you're on the yeah. phone with the source for two hours late into the night and then up a few hours later and on the phone with the source you know for me pre 6 a.m and you know obviously i'm central time so you, you're working with people who are quickly checks what time in nashville is or <laughs> <laughs> so it just you know it it was um a lot of reporting and 
I, I, th- I feel like not everything that we reported obviously went into the story. I mentioned on Twitter, you know, I, I called people who played for Bob Bradley in the past and multiple different teams um, mm. to get a feel for his training sessions and to understand, like, how much is this, like, the problem? And I think anyone that read the story recognized, like, that's not the problem, right? Like, like you can complain about training methods, but it's not the issue here, right? Like, that's not yeah. the real thing. And if you read the story and didn't realize that it's not about Bob Bradley's training methods. I think you like, I don't know what story you read. Like, but I did that because <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to get an idea like, Oh, it's like, is there like a real beef here? Like could Bob Bradley's mm-hmm. training methods be the crux of the issues with this team? And, you know, the feedback I got over and over again from people again, who had played at multiple teams across multiple, multiple years, maybe even decades of Bob Bradley's career um, was like, no, like, like any coach, there are some players who don't like the training methods sometimes, but a lot of the people I spoke to were like these very detailed, um, very smart methods. People who worked with him recently were talking about kind of how his style differs from some of the things that they teach in coaching courses now um, mm. that he doesn't, you know, segment things into days, but he works on things kind of all at once every day and, and they mm. all kind of fit together well. And, and so you know, what that gave me was confidence to write more about the other things, right? And to, uh, and to understand that the, this is about power struggle. This is about, you know, um, a grab of who's in charge, right? You're making yeah. millions and millions of dollars and you want to show that you are kind of the big the big guy on the big on dog. Campus, yeah, right? yeah. The big dog. The big cheese. And, and when you, I mean, that is maybe the most natural thing when you cover sports that you learn is like the downfall, almost every team you cover and you, when you're studying the downfall of that team or the issues in that team like what you guys were asking about earlier it's ego it's almost always ego it's always the gm's true. ego the coach who doesn't want to let you know maybe it's the star player maybe it's multiple players like it's ego and it's like how big do those egos get and how big do those clashes get and i think in this story as we saw you have multiple places where those big personalities are pushing and pulling and fighting for um a little bit of control and, you know, I, I think you mix that in with like Bob Bradley's like a pretty straightforward like soccer guy, you know, and I don't think he's, he's never I like, don't think he's ever said soccer ever in his life. Yeah, I think yeah. it's football. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just think like it, it was, um, you know, you do that kind of reporting to try to make sure like, am I missing something here? OK, no, I'm not missing something here. Don't you know, don't let like the cat toy distract you like it's not this over here like focus right, on right. What, it, what the obvious is it's not that it's not about the vape pen uh i'm gonna follow it up with <laughs> it's uh, definitely i'm about gonna the put vape you pen. i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit because in your opinion <laughs> do you think the role of a team captain is to side with the players or the coach in a time of crisis I don't think that that's the role of the team captain. I mean, it's it's very difficult to be a team captain. Like, I think your job in, in some aspects, what the job requires is to be a liaison, right? The connection between the two. You are, I mean, and, and teams do it differently nowadays. Like, I, I covered the U.S. men's national team through this whole World Cup cycle. Craig Berhalter rotated captains. Well, why did he do that? He felt like when he studied this generation of players, this generation of people, that they didn't look to one leader the way people used to. And so you see a lot of times now leadership councils, which is what exists in Toronto as well. And the idea is that there's some level of communication that's going on between the locker room and the coach's room. 
And that communication is critical so that you understand where you need to course correct, where you need to adjust. Mm -hmm. Now, I think, you know, it's clear here that, that this was always going to be a very complicated dance for Bob Bradley and Michael Bradley. Um, and, and it's always been that way. This is not the first time that they've worked together. And as such, you know, there are going to, they, I think they felt confident that they could navigate it. But the reality is that today who they are is different than who they were in 2006, 2007 at the national team or way, obviously way before that at Metro stars. And Mm -hmm. I think Michael Bradley standing at the club is massive. I mean, this guy is, is probably the key figure in turning Toronto FC from the worst team in MLS to a dynasty. And so you have this outsized impact on this club. Your voice really truly matters, but realistically you also are going to, you have, everyone knows he's got a very good and very strong relationship with his father. He's on the back Mm -hmm. end of his career. He's going to be planning for what comes next. And so these natural tensions are occurring and people in the locker room are picking up on that. So I think Mm -hmm. that's where, that tension comes in. And I, we tried to write about it a little bit. Again, I was trying not to like beat people over the head with all of these things, but kind of lay it out and let people kind of see it. But I think, you know, a big part of this here is it's difficult sometimes to, it's difficult in this case to be these two really important figures in the locker room, the coach mm-hmm. and not just the captain, but this kind of influential person in Toronto FC's history and also have these dynamics of father, son, where, where these questions come up, yeah. right? Of where where are your quote-unquote loyalties? Who are you backing? And just the fact that those questions exist make it harder to lead. And I think that's where some of these tensions come in, where I, I don't think anyone could argue that Michael Bradley has the best intentions for Toronto FC, right? Like 100%. he's taken pay cuts to stay there. He, you know, came here and helped build that the Toronto FC that we know. And, you know, I don't think anyone would think that, you know, and he doesn't want his father to fail, certainly, right? Like on top of that, it's like he doesn't want Bob Bradley to fail. And I don't think anyone thinks Bob Bradley's coming in trying to, you know, tank Toronto FC, right? Like he felt like he could turn it around. So it's not about like what they, what whether they want what's best for the club. Like I think that's like inherent to the job and inherent to the personalities. It's, you know, were they going to be able to manage the perception. And I think that's where that kind of slipped out of control a little bit. Yeah. You, hmm. you mentioned perception there. I think taking the job in the first place, you knew that that was going to yeah. be the narrative and that was going to be the obstacle, not only from us in the media, but also when tough situations arise, those questions are going to be asked within the dressing room as well. So I mean, just, I think you guys do. Just, yeah. Just go ahead. To point out again. I mean, like, you know, people pointed out like over and over again, like Michael Bradley had this kind of relationship with Greg Vanny. He had a very, very close yeah. relationship with Greg Vanny. He had a very close relationship with Chris Armas. Mm-hmm. So the, the the interactions in the facility don't change, but the relationship is different. It's not just your coach, you know, and and, a, and somebody you're close with. It's your father. So again, it, you know, that speaks to that perception where that's what you're battling. Yeah. And And like you said, I think everyone knew that this was going to be a part of it when he took the job. And I, I just think that it's become a more difficult aspect of this team dynamic than I, than maybe they were anticipating. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it, I think their intentions were 
obviously very good and they didn't want it to go down this route. The intention was you're bringing in a really professional coach in Bob Bradley, a really accomplished coach in Bob Bradley. And you've known that Michael Bradley's changed the culture at Toronto FC. They needed another culture change ahead of the 2022 season. And they're hoping Bob Bradley changes that culture. But of course, when things go sideways, because you're bringing in two guys that maybe you could even suggest are bigger than Bob Bradley at times in, in Insigne and Bernadeschi, then yeah, these these questions once again arise. So I think it's only natural that not only you write about it and ask those questions, but everyone else talks about it. But Bob Bradley seems to be the guy of the hour right now at Toronto mm-hmm. FC. Mm-hmm. Obviously, before the game, greeted with a pretty frustrated reception by Toronto FC fans, the Bradley out movement. Um, obviously, very strong among the fan base right now. But, you know, I've always been under the perception and I've mentioned this on the show week after week, I've mentioned this elsewhere. If you fire Bob Bradley, if Toronto FC decides to fire Bob Bradley, I personally don't believe it fixes their problems. Paul, if, if you, if TFC fire Bob Bradley, do you think that's a step in the right direction towards fixing this whole mess? I don't know that you can say that with any sort of conviction. It's a guess, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it is. And yeah. You know, you get into this area where you feel a there's like a slippery slope, right? Like if you give these players what they're clearly looking for, Bernadeschi especially, yeah, uh, and Insigne, yeah, yeah. you know, and you confirm that power dynamic, you know, where do we go from here? I mean, these guys are on yeah. long contracts; they're going to be here for a while, right? So you have to weigh and measure that. Is there another manager that can get the best out of them? What happens if you go and you bring an Italian manager? Let's use Andrea Pirlo because we, you know, the name was in the story. Okay, <laughs> please Let's say don't. You, do ah. <laughs> you know what does that what does that do within the locker room? Because we've talked a lot about the Michael and Bradley dynamic, Bob Bradley dynamics, and you know certainly Bob has like a, a big personality and a way of doing things. But like Insigne and Bernadeschi also have really big personalities. Insigne more quiet in the locker room, as you guys know, doesn't speak as as strong of English. And so his interactions mm-hmm. are a little bit more limited. Um, Bernadeschi, uh, kind of a bit bigger of a personality in that way. But if, if you create another layer of special privileges or another layer of power, and, and they already represent so much of the club, they already are the, the face of Toronto FC right now. They were kind of mm-hmm. sold on that, especially in Signe. If you now allow them, you're picking a coach based on what you think they want. Those power dynamics in the locker room go even further. And, and so, you you know, for me, it puts you in this place where you're starting to think about like, OK, uh, they better perform at some point. They've got to perform like if Insigne was doing what he did against DC United in every single game. If Bernadeschi was Carlos Vela level of production, you'd be like, all right, like this is what we paid for, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. OK, yep. but that's not happened yet. Right. And so. You know, I, I think Toronto has to be very careful. And, and I think also, like, we go to this next layer of the way this TFC has been structured. In modern MLS, it's more and more rare to see a coach sporting director dynamic. So if you're moving Bob Bradley out and, you know, even if you went into bigger picture, if if, if Bill Manning was out and Bob Bradley was out, uh, you're you're where is the leadership coming from? Like, you've got a lot of work to do. Um, and so I think that question comes into it too, is like, all right, like, are we, would we do this before the summer window? And if we do do it, is it Bill Manning making sporting decisions again? You know, mm-hmm. is, is that what the, the case is going to be? Or 
are you realistically going to be able to hire a sporting director before the summer window starts? So all of those questions go into it as well. And I don't think the, there's a, I wouldn't say that like the easy answer is like, Oh yeah, fire Bob Bradley. And like, you'll write the ship here. I think, yeah. I think it's way more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Um, you really want me to do this one? Okay. Uh, if no player is bigger than the badge, where do we draw the line on public insubordination? For the record, I like my last question better, but let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, again, that we get into this question of power dynamics of when you are, when you think through spending a lot of money on designated players, a big part of that is where there, does their line exist in relation to everyone else in the team? And there are two layers to controlling that. There's the coach in the locker room and trying to set a message and a tone. Actually, three layers. There's the player and what his approach is going to be. And then there's the organization in general, right? Like, how do you set expectations for these players? And all of those things factor into how you treat these moments. I think the goal for everyone involved has to be that you do what's best for the team to try to get results. And how are you going to keep a team together? And as we could see after Bernadeschi's comments, there was a lot happening behind the scenes and it was happening in front of the whole team. Like that team meeting on Tuesday, that was a full team meeting. Everyone was there. Everyone was witnessing that. And so I think for the sake of keeping as many people bought in as possible, it was almost a no brainer to have Bernadeschi out of the squad for the weekend's games, right? Because you have to try to, create some level of of belief in the team that there are lines somewhere (laughs) right um but you know that again i think goes back to the portion of the story where we talked about how this roster came together and what these guys were sold on when they came and the the amount of money that one of them is making and the fact that the other one wants to make that much money and you know the one that one gets the the drake collab and the other you know like that speaks to some of this of of those dynamics of DPs and how they work within a club. I mean, you look at LA Galaxy, there was a different set of rules for Ibrahimovic. Mm-hmm. Like and, yep. and you had to do that to manage him to get him to be doing what you needed to do within that team. So like every player, every team is different. And but you gotta be aware that you're essentially inviting some of that especially when you pay Insigne as much as you did, right? Like that 100%. Yeah. That just that just creates a different power dynamic. It does. Yeah. Like that person becomes more important by default, right? Like and everyone yeah, knows 100%. it. 100%. Yeah, and the, and the everyone entire knows squad it. knows it. Yeah, and and the player is sold on it, right? Like they weren't just like, "Hey, we're going to pay you this much money," right? It was like you will be the face of Toronto FC. You will be one of the faces of the league. You will you sell them on that vision too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are going to be important. You are going to be yeah. famous. You are going to be the star. And Hawkle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like, and so then you have to live up to those dynamics too. Like that's all part of it. And look around the M- MLS history and, and current MLS. Like, how does the fire handle Shakiri when he's not performing well? You, mm-hmm. you know, how do you manage a, a personality and an ego like that? How do you manage Chicharito and Douglas Costa? Like Douglas Costa probably different than the way you handle Chicharito. Like all of these yeah. things have their own complicated, you know, set of dynamics. And I think here in Toronto, 
when we look at this situation, I think part of it was the fact of like how it came together, who was making the decisions, how those decisions were being made, what those conversations look like, and then how do you deliver everything and, you know, kind of keep, keep a team, a team, right? And that's, that's the challenge. That's what Bob Bradley kind of, in some ways walked into, because I think Insignia mm-hmm. was essentially over the line when Bob was coming in. Um, and, and then, you know, that's his task of, of, of managing it. And I thought like, this was a great example with, with Bernadeschi is, is like, okay, players can voice frustrations, no problem. Um, but at a certain point, you know, when we hit that, that moment, uh, mm-hmm. you say, okay, like for the betterment of the team right now, let's like try to pivot focus the best we can to Saturday and then, you know, keep managing this over, over the course of the season, the best we can. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, you go play for the LA Galaxy with Zlatan. He may call you Kevin, and you're just gonna that's have right. to. You're That's just right. gonna have to take. <laughs> gonna have to deal it. with yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Um. I can, can I do my last question? Yeah, really you quickly? got it's you got the last one. question here. It's Jason, um. Go for it. You know, in reading the article, it seems pretty clear that all of this began when TFC was forced to play away from home as a consequence of the the global pandemic. I think it's safe to say that the Canadian clubs kind of got stuck by the pando. So, can we get more gam? Like, you, is that is of that something you can. that we can discuss with the league office? <laughs> yeah. Like, can we get some have, sort of no rules? Yeah, some retroactive like sorry about COVID gam for the Canadian teams. Or, uh, I don't or something? know. I mean, yeah. if you're gonna get more gam, you might need to give more gam to Chris Armis to say sorry about like never getting a home game and getting fired. You know, eleven games <laughs> in and Zoom driving message. home from Orlando on yourself on your own. You know, like uh, we, we, I we can give him here? a hug. I'm prepared to give him a hug, but I don't know about <laughs> gam. But, yeah, but it is I wasn't funny prepared how that for works, this though, turnaround. Right? Yeah, you, yeah. Like it doesn't start with Bernadeschi's comments. It doesn't start at the beginning of the season. It's not really about no. the training sessions. You go back, you go back. You're like, okay, where does the where does this start? Soteldo, his start... name's Jefferson Soteldo. <laughs> yeah, really, it doesn't even start in Orlando. Like we we started the right. story there, but it goes before that. It goes to the discussions mm. with Greg Vanny, and you know, 2019 yeah. finishing just out of the supporter shield race, just I think three points back of winning a shield. And, you know, Vanny's going in or sorry, going to MLS Cup rather. And, you know, people start to leave. There's more departures. Vanny's going into the last year of his contract. You, you're fighting for a shield. You're still there. And then, you know, you get to this end point of the contract and Vanny doesn't get what he wants and he walks or or, mm. or the fit isn't right for Vanny. He looks at the situation. And he says, mm, I don't think it's going to work here. I don't I don't know that I see the vision of the club the way I want to. And he walks yeah. and that's where this all starts. Right. It's like, it, and then it builds from there. And and then that, that moment leads to Armis leads to uh, the Euro tournament leads to Insigne and Bernadeschi and my, and Bob Bradley. And then it kind of carries forward. Then, you know, Insigne doesn't produce right away. I mean, he does produce right away, right away, right away, but like over the course yeah. of the back end of last season, it starts to kind of slide. And then this year injuries and, lack of production and then the, and then personalities get you know uglier and, and tension grows yeah. up and and vape pens are everywhere and yeah i mean <laughs> by the way that's that's you know these stories there's always tends to be mm-hmm. like this thing that happens that you're like this is going to be the thing in the story that yep. people cling to right it's chicken and rice 100%. in atlanta with joseph martinez yep. mm-hmm. and it's it's calling a teammate kevin and it's vape pens and when you <laughs> when you get the anecdote you look around and you're like oh man this is going to be the thing 
And okay, uh, yeah, gonna be, yeah. there's going to be two. You don't get to choose your own nickname either. No. Like it's, it's going to be two sticks in the south end of a vape yeah. pen. Justin, lots, lots of lots of memes being sent to me about vape pens. Lots of uh, vapes <laughs> from the plane <laughs> things being sent to me. So mm-hmm. you know, wasn't that you know, wasn't that Martin? Martin? I think Bailey. we know yeah. the yeah. I think we know the author of that meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all it's all that's what all the work goes into, guys. So it's 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 all just for the memes. It's all for the memes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we just spent the last. 20 25 minutes just talking about succession, by the way. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> just it, it just got the season finale last uh, last night. I haven't seen it, so don't, don't spoil it. For no, me. Spoilers. No, spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers. This is a spoiler yeah, yeah, free yeah. zone. Uh, Paul Tenorio, thank you so much for joining us on yeah, Toronto to Light Die. We really appreciate big it. Big fan, huge fan. It's hey, so, thanks so much for having guys. I appreciate it. Bring really back do. allocation yeah. disorder. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll 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 have to do an update on uh, whether or not the vaping continues at some point later this season. Maybe <laughs> oh, when they maybe you, they rattle off ten straight wins from here and uh, and we they're can, all vaping. Uh, yeah, Bernadeski's yeah, doing a, a a vape pen commercial in Toronto. Oh, <laughs> this is Toronto, Paul. There is a very good chance MLSC will get. There's in a, a vape very pen very good chance very that good might chance. happen. Yes, yeah. yeah. All right, go. Paul Tenorio of the Athletic. Thank Cheers, you so mate. much for joining. If you haven't read it yet. Inside the TF, Toronto FC disaster, um, it is on uh, the Athletic uh, subscribe uh, to get it, or you know, just borrow your friend's subscription uh, and take a read. Um, but He's never coming back, is he? <laughs> <laughs> what a guest and yeah. what insight into what's happening at this club, um, and specifically sort of these inner workings. I think also his perspective gave us a little bit more. Um, sort of detail into the article itself in terms of mm-hmm. the methodology, right. how it got written, and that it wasn't done on a whim, right? This was very much something that was planned, and they went back even further than just this season to go back into some of the things we've talked about on the show in terms of that was planning. my favorite part. Yeah, that was my yeah, favorite absolutely. part about the article is how they were able to illustrate what Toronto FC has been for the past couple of years and encapsulate that into that one story. I thought that that's such a challenge in writing in general, but the way they were able to re- relate to nowadays Toronto FC to what Toronto FC has been, that was my favorite part about the article. Mm-hmm. That and, of yeah. course, the vape pens and yeah. the uh, some of Bernard Esky's comments was uh, so. Was so my funny. spies, my spies, it's a new interview. Who's the former player? Who's the former no, player? No, no, no. Let's uh, not do that. Let's not do that. Okay. All right. I, I got. <laughs> I have my, no. I, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. To be yeah, perfectly no, honest. No, no. I'm not expecting you so to many, tell me well, who it is. That's not the fun. Well, it's I know, no, but no, like no, in the no, end no. of the day, like yeah. so many players could say that. Right? Like, it's Luke Singh. It's Luke Singh. Um, but um, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll end it just on this. I, I think that the article and in Paul and Tom and Josh's work. Um, really sort of point out sort of things that, again, I've sort of discussed that really this isn't, this is a, a, a symptom of things that have been happening at this club for the last couple of years in terms of decision-making at the top. Mm. Um, and in terms of, you know, obviously they're pointing back to Greg Vanny leaving the club. And I think we were all surprised when that happened. Um, but I think really it, it comes down to, you know, he leaves. Okay. What are the decisions you're making to, make sure that this team has a continuity of success. And I don't think those decisions have been in any way right um, over the the past couple of seasons. And I think you're just seeing a symptom of that right now. Um, So it will be interesting to see, look, this team could go on a run. Like again, they're only what, two points, three points. I think they're only like three Three points points out out of a playoff spot right now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I think I just want to add a postscript to your comments because 
we knew when Bez was around that this team was cruising to the brick wall of everybody getting old at the same time. And we knew when the CONCACAF dream of 2018 ended uh, that we had maybe made some mistakes. So, you know, we had, we had given up the beta shores uh, of, uh, of the universe for the shiny uh, uh, Gregory Vanderveels. So, you know, certainly we can trace this right back to its, its nexus point of, of 2019. But, you know, 2019, 2020, we already knew that we were sort of passing the buck, sitting on our hands, decisions weren't being made, succession plans weren't being formulated. Um, it's much further back than that. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anybody expected the thud to be this pronounced, but we all kind of knew that the thud was coming and, and we're, we're doing nothing about it for a very, very long time at this club. True, but I will say... Of course um, he did. Of course Michael did. Of course he did. <laughs> well, before, sorry, finish your thought. Yeah. And let me, I'll get into no, it. No, no, yeah, no, no. I finished no. my thought, yeah. Yeah, it's oh just God. really quickly, um, you know, I think that I, I get that in terms of 2019, and we've all talked about it a little bit. But I also, you kind of almost can't blame them, right? You're right in the wave. You made a cup final you weren't supposed to make, but you made it, and it was great. And then the team came mm-hmm. back. And 2020 was going to be great. Obviously, the pandemic cuts that short, but they still have a decent run-in for the sort of pseudo-pandemic season and almost win a shield, right? If they win a shield, I think we're talking a very different story here. I think Rick Vanny stays, and I think it's a different story. But that's not how it worked. But I also Mm -hmm. can't blame them for saying, hey, look, this team that wasn't supposed to get anywhere got somewhere. Let's try to kick the can one more time, right? I don't Uh, either. So many teams do that all the time. But at the same time, like we do, we are paying false for it. Right? Yeah, false dawn. Yeah, a bunch of false dawns. The one thing I will disagree on is I don't know if winning the shield changed any anything for Greg Vanny because okay. it wasn't. It was never about like about money yeah, no or like winning. Currently with Greg Vanny, it was about you know him essentially wanting more power at the club and having to work hand in hand with Ali Curtis, and Ali Curtis didn't want to give up some of that power and decision-making ability. So I think that a lot of it came down to that. And that's why Greg Vanny walked, of course, the way he framed it was going back home to LA. I think there's a little bit more than that. Um, yeah. I brought up Rich's comment. Did Michael know about any of these before the article? Cause I, I've mentioned this on, uh, on 442. I've heard some of these exact same tidbits. Um, I think we've talked about on the show for a while, the Insigne Bernadeschi stuff. Yeah. So that stuff is already out there. I didn't hear about some uh, other tidbits in this article. So I can't, you know, I, I can just say that there are certain stories there that I've heard as well. Um, I can't necessarily confirm them, but I've heard the same stories. Um, that being said, I have to give so much credit again to Tom, Paul, and Josh for writing this story because it's a story I don't think I ever would have been able to write. Uh, for a lot of different reasons and the main one being Mm. is i don't think i would have been able to do it as good as these guys did it because they knocked it out of the park so i gotta give them all the credit in the world for doing that i've I've read your writing don't sell yourself short pal no (laughs) thanks buddy yeah Yeah, (laughs) absolutely uh powerhouse article one that got Mm -hmm. everybody talking one that will keep people talking i think for a while too because these aren't done they won on wednesday but obviously we need to see. Oh, wow. Uh, no, 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 they Saturday, won on sorry. Saturday. Yeah. Went on Saturday. Yeah. No, they won. They won on Wednesday too, guys. Yeah, they exactly. won on they got to win on Saturday. Um, and then maybe we're talking, but uh, right now 
it's sort of, uh, okay, we'll take the positive out of that and we'll see where we go. Um, let's uh, queue up the burning question uh, and get that. Uh, I like your way. style. I like your style. The Toronto Until I Die burning question presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It is used by one in five households in the GTA. So you got to get on uh, the Nextdoor app. Uh, and it's an awesome way to get things done in your neighborhood. We'll also be posting on there on the TFC fan group. You know, we've been talking about it for a bit. So make sure you get on there because we post the burning question a day early and we're going to have contests and we're actually getting ready to do the first contest drop. First uh, contest. You'll hear something by next week. So look out for that. Uh, so download the app at the app store um, and also get it at nextdoor.ca. So um, the, the burning question this week, pretty straightforward again, does Saturday's performance and result provide more hope for the rest of the season. So going to go into a couple of the responses in the next door group. And of course, we'll always go to our friend, the Twitter. Um, and so uh, Vibras, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Vibras? Clearly, I'm still not Vibras? great at. Um, Vibras, yeah. Vibras? Uh, let us know. Let names. us know if we, yeah, let us yeah, know. If, if you're listening, let us know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, anytime Wayne Rooney gets beat, it always makes me happy, especially so when it's uh, doing the us doing the beating, uh, his drive in uh, 20, 2004 basically ended Arsenal's 49. He <laughs> said my won. Arsenal, so yeah. I love him. So, yeah, 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 just had to put that in there for you, Jeff. Um, but going mm-hmm. to uh, TFC, um, he feels we need back-to-back wins. So he, he's basically on the we need to win a Wednesday train to make it real and maybe a couple mm-hmm. of draws strung together for a bit of a run. Uh, the drama with Bradley and Bernadeschi is useless is a useless distraction, but it is great to see Insigne back being Insigne um, uh, going into be a long season. So going yeah, to I be mean, going to be a long season. Yeah, well, I was uh, trying to hide yeah. the, the spelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Nancy uh, Nancy also types in saying, uh, "Nope, just smoke and mirrors diverts people's minds away from the real issues." What do you think about that, guys? Because in a lot of ways, look, I think some people are going to be really excited about the win. But that doesn't mean the issues are gone. And as Paul just spoke to, um, mm. they're still going to be there. And there's still egos that are still in that locker room. And there's still this sort of vibe around Bob Bradley. Um, you know, does another win sort of put a, a little pressure off Bradley and off the team a little bit? Of course. Look at what one win did. Multiply it by a factor of two, uh, and, and there you go. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if people are, are off it. I mean, I know, and we'll get into the no, Twitter definitely in a second, not. But I don't think no, definitely not. Some people have made their decisions already, and they and they won't be happy until they get their pound of flesh. And and uh, you know, for I, I, the less I say about that, the better. I, I I don't expect this team to maybe win on Wednesday. I think they might actually lose and that may be okay as long as I see some of the principles of, of patterns of play and the way the team was working but you know I'm I, I'm sort of weird about this season all of a sudden I, you know? so Jeff funny enough I, I mm-hmm. bumped into a, a TFC executive mm-hmm. at BMO Field on Saturday and his exact quote was I don't give a how we play I just care mm. about getting three points because mm. I think three points right now is actually more important than the team's overall performance. Bob Bradley said 
after the game over and over it's just about results and that's what will help win the fan base back but well then yeah, then like, what i'm saying makes makes sense a little bit because i want to see that lunk-headed pragmatism not just applied to defensive structure but also shoot the ball you know one of my biggest frustrations was being pretty in front of the box too much and if i see a team with the with the bit in their teeth like i did on saturday this just pelt like good things happen when you when you peter the net yeah and so fair. yeah you play yeah. you play well it'll it'll you likely lead to more chances um mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it'll be tough because if TFC lose that game, could you expect the same type of will and team type of desire the next time they go and play? Or will it, you know, hit them, you know, hit their ego a little bit heading into their next Saturday? It'll be tough to bounce back from that performance after mm-hmm. finally maybe potentially putting that in the rear view. We'll see exactly what happens. But, you know, Mike, I've said this, winning heals everything. And yep. we've talked about, I don't know if we've talked about on this show, but the 2017 team, the treble winning team, that locker room was not as cohesive as some people might <laughs> no, think no, that it true. was, but yeah. yet they went on to win the treble and they went on to accomplish great things and arguably the best team in MLS history. So you actually don't have to be the best of friends to mm-hmm. accomplish great football things. That's not always hand in hand. It's not the exact perfect recipe. Um, yep. So yes absolutely if you win on wednesday then the pressure is just that much more off will it be everything's rosy and everything's peaches no not nowhere close and you think about even greg vanny's tenure here people were vanning out for his entire tenure oh my god for the 2017 season (laughs) yeah yeah at mls cup at mls cup there were people are you serious yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i know yeah you know what i mean like listen listen i haven't brought it up i haven't brought it up all show but you know i'm going to right now bob bradley has seen this all before um if we think this experience is is worse than coaching during a civil war um, a national team during a civil war, we got another thing coming to us, you know? So if there was ever any coach that I wanted to be in that position, uh, well, the fan base figures itself out, figures our feelings out around, you know, this, this sort of love triangle that's happening between the two Italians and, and the Bradleys and this, and this power struggle, it's Bob Bradley. Um, you know, it's all, it's so, so, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I know the Bradleys don't eat popcorn, but I'm popping my popcorn for this because this is, this is going to be good times, man. And, and so are yeah, you, yeah. are you back Bradley in now? Say no for a bit. I don't think Bradley. I was yeah, ever, but... I, well, because we just look so garbage out there and it was impossible to be Bradley in because we looked so disjointed. It was like, there was nobody, there was nobody steering the ship. And if that was his responsibility, he was clearly in over his head but you know I've, I've seen the team play for him uh i've had all of the feelings about this um you know i said it in my i said it in my column you know berna went after mb4 to me that's a non-negotiable so i'm not sure i like berna very much yeah that was a that was but, a thing in the article yeah, that i didn't love yeah um, yeah they, and and like those players and, were taking shots at you know Bradley. but but at the end of the day even though i think his passion was misplaced i can't fault his passion so if we can find a way where we're not being idiots about this and not saying, hey, we, we, we hired these hot-blooded Italians to, to, and sold them on being the guys, 
or sold one of them on being the guy and then said to the other guy, I hope you're okay playing second fiddle. Like that was ever going to work out. If we can actually be realistic now and sort of find a way to turn what were weaknesses into strengths, you know, I can see this working out for everybody. Maybe that's just me wanting to kumbaya my way into a playoff spot. I can see it working for everybody. I do think, and it's really important what you said because, um, and, and Coach Perspective said this on a WTR credit where credit is due. This might cost Michael Bradley the captain's armband, and I don't think they were prepared for that. I think, you know, he may have mm-hmm. to cede the captaincy to – I think when 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 Bob Wait, and Michael what? sat no. down oh, – I think when shit. Bob and Michael sat down, I think he might have to take to, – to cede it to Lorenzo some games when he's healthy just for the good of the team because he can't be captain all the time just to create a little bit less of a, a – to create a, a necessary power vacuum for I, the other I get, being. I get, no, I get what you're no, no. saying. I, I get, get what you're yeah. saying. Not a chance. Michael Bradley, when he is fit, is getting that armband back. You're going to have to rip it off his Agreed. dead arms. Agree to, Agree like, to disagree. For... This guy, This guy's taking pay cuts and not letting us know about it now. I think he does it with a smile on his face, and I think that's yet another reason why my club, TFC, starts and ends with Michael Bradley, you know? I don't think they thought that this might be a consequence because they expected it all to be sunshine and rain. I don't think taking the captain's armband solves that issue, right? But it's like not you, taking you, it. It's not taking it. You're using the wrong. Oh, you're taking it. it. If that's the point, you're it, taking it. It's like it, willingly giving it away. It's no. willingly sharing it. Whether he okay, if he free. whether he that's takes free. it off and gives yeah. it, it's not necessarily going to be totally on his will, right? It's going to be because somebody who's trying to pressure him to get rid of the armband for whatever perceived issues there are. Michael R. Yeah. Bradley is the captain of Toronto FC, and it will stay. I that don't disagree. I don't disagree. Period. And even if Lorenzo's wearing the armband, he's still my captain. I'm just saying. It, it, I got Lorenzo's goosebumps a just thinking right about it. That's what he is. He's yeah, a standing yeah. captain. Like the, Guys, and, and, and that's not a disrespect to Lorenzo Insigne, right? Because he was the captain yeah. of Napoli for a really so, long time. But Michael yeah. Bradley is the captain mm, of yeah. Toronto FC until the day he decides I don't, he doesn't I don't, want to I be. Don't disagree. Ozo comes back. Before Michael, yeah, which I think was likely going to be the case. Does Ozo not get the cap captain's armband back? Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Lorenzo I, I th- keeps it. I think he does personally, but that's just that's yeah, interesting. No, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, that I, like him having the armband would be a bad thing, but I just think right now the whether it is an optics thing, whether it is a to keep Lorenzo happy thing, whether it is simply maybe the players do want the Lorenzo above. to be the captain. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he keeps the armband until Michael Bradley comes back. And then when Michael Bradley comes back, that bald head will still have a captain's armband around it playing football for this team. Gosh, I, I love him more than many oh, things. I know, so I'm I know, not I know. disagreeing with you. Know, I'm just saying I, I, I read it in the comment section today. It made me feel some things. I wanted to bring it up. Fair whether enough. or not whether or not it ends up having any legs whatsoever, I want it. Fair enough. I'll read. All right, let's yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll nice. wrap it up. I'll read. I'll read two more comments here, and then we'll wrap up the show. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of uh, sort of maybe a, a more positive view, uh, Nathan just writes in and says the team looked organized and played with purpose on Saturday. And if they can continue to put in the effort they did that game for the rest of the season, I think we will start figuring it out. Um, hey, I'm Hard with you, man. That. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, it's 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah let's go. exactly. And then uh, lastly, um, I, I think we'll just sort of um, leave on, on this. Um, it's from Sempra Z- uh, Zebra, if I'm again pronouncing that wrong, apologies. Uh, not only did it provide hope, 
but it answered many questions. Lorenzo has a desire to win and show the fans that he cares. The team seems to have rallied around the coach. Also, most importantly, the team must focus on building around Insigne if they expect to have any success. Let's let's talk about that quickly. Yeah. Did slow our roll a little bit too. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Did, mm-hmm. did Saturday's performance show you enough for us to decisive, decisively say Lorenzo Insigne cares? No, we're going to have to rename this podcast the Small Sample Size Analysis Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. I mean, look, he'll be a professional. He'll do his job. Don't get me wrong. I need or to he won't. a little bit more. Or he won't. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, maybe or he won't. won't. Or he I mean, won't, this is but, one game. But I think, yeah, under, I think I got to see yeah. it more. I think he's got to be consistent. I got to see it a little bit more um, mm-hmm. to, for me to really say that. Does yeah. That, yeah. I'll. Yeah, let's end on this and I'll just wrap it up. I I think, crazy to say, the fate of Bob Bradley lies in the two people who allegedly want, want him most gone. Yeah. Bradley out of the club. Toronto is only going to be successful yep. if Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi are able to elevate their game like, they, like Lorenzo Insigne did on Saturday night. And hey, you know what, Bernadeschi watching it from the stands, maybe that, you know, ignites a little bit of a spark back into him and shows him that, you know, you put in the type of effort, as frustrating as it might be at times, if you put in that type you'll of effort. You'll get that OVO deal. Yeah. You'll get some, <laughs> you'll get some results, maybe even an OVO <laughs> deal. Um, oh, one thing we, we, we never actually mm. talked about, just in, we, mm. we brushed on it quickly, just in hindsight, Bob Bradley's decision to bench Federico Bernadeschi. Um, Let's not get into why he benched it because we know we've already kind of touched on that. Uh, My question for you guys is Wednesday against Chicago, does Bernardeschi automatically slot back into Bob Bradley's starting 11? I think so. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Come on. Um, As much as I want, I'm here for the DeAndre Kerr revolution. No, I I Mm -hmm. do think Federico Bernardeschi is back in the lineup. 100%. Um, And then this is the, this is the sort of, like you just said, Michael, this is the kind of you just saw it up on the stands. Now show it on the pitch, kind of game, yeah. right? And I, and I think that's why he'll slide back in. And it also it would also send a message that you know Bernadeschi is back, bought in, and back into the team fold. If he if Bob Bradley feels like they can put him back in the eleven, it probably means that him and Bernadeschi hash it out. And it seems like they've already done yeah. that. So. We'll mm-hmm. see exactly what happens, transpires this week. We'll hear from Bob Bradley tomorrow before the game. One last question for you guys. Hmm. Um, just quickly, shout out Kobe Franklin for another really yes. fantastic performance. Yes. If mm-hmm. Ralph Patrick is healthy and he's fit to go, does he slot back in to Toronto FC no. 11 no. in place of Kobe Franklin? No, he's got to no, earn I, his spot back. I, no, I think, you, I, I think you ride Kobe until you can't anymore, right? Like, I, I think... Yeah. Right now, this is one of those weird things where, again, I'll bring in a rare hockey analogy. I think you ride the hot goalie. You ride Let's the hot Let's get Paul left back. back. Let's get Tenario back. Yeah, Let's you, go. Ride, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you ride the hot left back right now. And they, right now it's Kobe yeah. because I think he's just been solid. I think he's been great. Yeah. And nothing spectacular, but at the same time, you don't need your left back always to be spectacular. We, we lost an MLS Cup because we started Galaxy braining positions at the back. Lawrence Simon should have started. Omar Gonzalez had no business starting that game. Uh, you know, he's got, but it, it, there it's, I'm sorry, but like, he's got to earn a spot Raul, back. Raul Petretta is the highest paid left back in major league soccer. He's not been bad. 
No. You know what I mean? Like no. he, he doesn't really yeah. have a until he starts complaining he's not on. getting an OVO deal, we we can bench him. Like yeah, w- he, once he starts complaining about that and vaping everywhere, then we'll deal with his with his BS. But until then, it's it's I Kobe's think that's, uh I actually think that's leave. a tougher I, you guys know I'm the biggest Kobe Franklin fan mm. there is. I think that's tougher than Petretta than Bernadeschi Kerr decision. I think that Petretta Franklin decision really? is Wow, I I think so, and it might be it might not even matter because he might not even be fully fit and ready to go Wednesday. But I I think maybe if he's healthy, you you, you seriously have to think about it. I mean, maybe you think about, it, but to me, you ride the. I've already thought right about now. it. Yeah. Right, the hockey. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Toronto. Show Die. <laughs> we'll be back next uh, Monday recapping a Toronto FC's two matches. It's a two. It's a it's a short week. Um, Chicago on Wednesday, away to Minnesota on Saturday. That Minnesota game will be tough. Um, away. I think TFC have never won away to Minnesota. As a reminder, uh, join the Toronto FC fan group on next door banter contest, burning questions, all the good stuff will be there. Download the app today uh, for Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker. I'm Mike Newell. Cheers all. Namaste. See you next week. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.